you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What is up, everybody? DJ Bucky here for Move the Sticks. Bucky, uh, I was glad we still had a show when I came back. I, I've been gone. I have, I've been totally out of the loop. And then, oh. true story, true story, the other day, this was yesterday, my son, who's 11, he goes, uh, he goes, Dad, uh, did you hear what they said on the, on your podcast? And I go, uh, two things. Number one, you listened to the podcast. <laughs> and, and number two, what did they say? He goes, yeah, well, uh, Bucky and Rhett were saying that you that Chick-fil-A might be out of business because you've been out of town for so long. <laughs> yeah. And I said, A, thank you for the download, son. <laughs> well done. And I said, B, it might be out of business. I've been gone a long time, man. I, I can't uh, can't thank the fellas enough for, for taking taking over for me in here with Rhett and Lance uh, filling in, Buck. Oh, man, it's, it's been it's been a good time. But you have done a tremendous amount of work going to all the pro days, um, seeing the top guys, seeing all the quarterbacks spin it. Uh, handling multiple and juggling duties with TV and all the like. Uh, I think the biggest thing that, that I want to know is, like, after being on the road for so long, like, what are some of the biggest takeaways, not from what you saw, Yeah. the biggest takeaways on the road? Where, where, where'd, you, oh, where'd, yeah. where'd you go eat at? Okay, well, first of all, I, look, when in Rome, right? We go with that. So when, I, when I'm uh, when I'm in the south, I even I tagged you in one of the pictures. I had an all-southern day. How's this? You want to talk about the southern – this is southern triple crown. Uh, when I was, which this is when I was in the Carolinas, your old stomping grounds. Okay, all right. Don't add up the calories. Breakfast Bojangles. Oh boy, it, just plain biscuits. I, I didn't go with any ham or any. Just just I got two plain biscuits. Wow, um, your biscuits are unbelievable. Lunch. Um, well, f- sorry, take that back. When I got there in the evening, it was a Cracker Barrel dinner, followed by a Bojangles breakfast, which also doubled as a lunch. Two biscuits, I'm good. I don't need yeah. any lunch. Yeah. And then followed up with dinner, your favorite breakfast for dinner, Waffle House. Ooh. That is a strong day. I might be I dead you, by tomorrow, but man, it was uh, – I, I went all in on the on the I mean, southern I bet, food. I bet you slept well. Oh, like a brick. <laughs> I mean, I bet um, you slept. It was phenomenal. Really, really but well. I'll tell you what, I don't – we were we – were, uh, for those who don't know, so my itinerary real quick, I went to Oklahoma the first week. The next week was a busy one. I went to Alabama, Ohio State, Missouri. I believe that was the order. Um, and then hit NC State, Duke. Um, so it ended up being whatever. There were six six schools. But um, when I was going to Columbia, which is a tiny little airport there in Columbia, Missouri, <laughs> Drew Lock Pro Day, sat on the runway for like an hour and a half before we took off there with some kind of an issue that it, I won't bore you with the details. Very stuffy. Very stuffy. Little plane. There's probably 10 different scouts on the plane. Guys, you and I have yeah. known forever. We land. They, it takes forever to get the landing gear there. Um, you know, because they got to wheel the little stairs out there. Wheel everything you. out. Yeah. yeah. Forever. Stuffy. Gross. Um, get off the plane. There's one little rental car you know, spot. Oh. There's like one person working, one little spot. There's not like a lot of options here. And there's a line to get there. And I'm sitting there with a couple of our buddies, and I'm like, you know what? If I needed a reminder of why I got out of scouting, this this would be the this, day. This, this would be the day that reminds you. Just want to get to your hotel. You know, you just want to be done. Get to your hotel and, and get some sleep. 
and uh, you're sitting there waiting. But good news, Jimmy John's was open late that night, so I was able to get a little sandwich. Jimmy John's. Yeah. You go back into scouting, and it's like you're eating sandwiches all day long. That's just what you do. It's per diem savers. <laughs> you feel right back. Yeah. You feel right back into it's the old, old life. It's like the old life. It's like somebody that used to be in a life of crime, Buck. And then, like, I just feel like I just shoplifted a candy bar. And next thing you know, I'm all right back into this into this whole life. I mean, you feel right back. Feel right back in. Um, all right. The uh, the ground I want to cover here real quick. Couple couple of takeaways from the players from this pro day uh, tour. Uh, a debate. There's a lot of players, and we'll get a chance to dig into a lot of these different debates as we get closer to the draft. But there's certain uh, guys that marry up. I know you guys talked about receivers mm-hmm. the other day, but there's there's a lot of those kind of are you a this guy or a that guy. Uh, so we'll have that discussion about some defensive linemen, two defensive linemen in particular. We'll have that debate uh, discussion, and then I, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, uh, the rookie redshirts. We have a situation with like Jeffrey Simmons this year is going to miss more than likely miss the entire season. He's a great player. Uh, but when you do your digging in the track record of guys that have missed their whole rookie year, yeah, not great. We'll get into that a, a little bit later. Uh, but first of all, the uh, the pro day tour recap here, Buck, just real quick. Um, biggest takeaways, some of the biggest takeaways. Ohio State receivers. I know Paris Campbell got nicked up at the pro day. Uh, Terry McLaurin had a phenomenal workout, and even better, I would say Dixon ha- had an even better field yeah, workout in terms of running routes. He yeah, was outstanding. Johnny, Johnny looked awesome. Like just looking at it from studio, it looked like he was really doing his thing. He's had some injuries, so you got to try and navigate those waters. But uh, as a talent, man, he's got a bunch of big plays down the field. Those Ohio State wide receivers are going to go. So that was uh, one of my takeaways there. Um, going to Alabama. Um, Josh Jacobs, I know the number wasn't great, four six flat. I talked to one. I think I've only talked to one scout that four five nine. Everybody else four six flat, four six one in that range. But the field workout, uh, outstanding. I mean, just the way he caught the ball, ran routes, everything's just strong, just real strong hands. And then talking to everybody at the school, Buck, you, you a lot of the questions you ask in scouting, who's the leader? Who's the leader on your offense or defense? If you could take one player with you, who would you take? You ask the coaches, who are you going to miss more than anybody else? And a lot of times, it doesn't have anything to do with depth of the position. doesn't have to do with who's voted captain. Josh Jacobs' name comes up more than anybody else. That is really – They love him. And they talk about the adversity that he's overcome in his life and the hardships he's faced and come out the other side of him. And I, the question, okay, what's the what's the number one question, you know, if you go on a, if you're going on a school visit, why doesn't he get the ball more, right? Right. Nick Saban's – this is what I hear. Nick Saban's the smartest coach, the best college football coach – but he's not smart. He just doesn't think it's a good idea to give him the ball. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, so what? So, so here's the answer. You ready? We are beating everybody fifty to nothing by the second quarter of every game we play, and we're going to come back into the locker room and say, "Okay, you know what? This hasn't been working. We're just going to go ahead and switch this this up." But he said, "If you pay attention, look at the end of the year. We start playing good opponents, and the games matter. Who do they trust? Who got the football?" Josh Jacobs. Oh. Go go watch Georgia. Watch what he does there. Go watch Oklahoma, the, what he does there. And if you talk to, and I talk to a handful of Alabama players, what went wrong against Clemson in a national championship game? Every single one of them, we didn't give Josh Jacobs the ball enough. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. So there you go. That's why That's why it's it's hard on Twitter and on social media and people go, I don't understand why you like this guy. He doesn't have a lot of touches. Da, da, da. He ran 4-6. I'm like, a couple things. Number one. He can – let's look at the, the running back checklist. Um, big enough? Yeah, he's 220 pounds. Can he run inside? Yes. Uh, with power. Can he get outside, get the perimeter? Yes. Uh, does he? Can he catch the ball? Outstanding catching the ball. You can split him out, run routes with him. He can catch the ball. Um, can he pull up in pass protection? Oh, yeah, he's, he's a very good pass protector. Um, he can also do some kickoffs if he wanted to do that. How about the character? 
Uh, you talk you, when you find out what this kid's overcome in his life and where he is right now. You, elite, elite character, um, work ethic off the charts. Um, you know when it was money time at the end of the season when the games mattered, the ball goes in his belly. You start checking off all those boxes, and and I was talking to an executive with the team, and he said it, it, it was so I can hear it clear as day, Buck. He goes, you know everything about this kid. I go, yeah. He goes, you want to bet against him? I go, mm-hmm. nope, nope. Those guys, I don't bet against those guys. I don't. So, he, okay, so here's what's interesting about that because, you know, it's, it's funny when you, you talk about him. It took him a while to kind of get on the field and to play. And uh, having known – He was hurt, too. That was the other thing, too. If it wasn't for injuries, it would have been right. out there. Right, and having known those other guys because those other guys were decorated recruits. Yeah. And Harris, and you think about Najee Harris and some of the guys that he was playing behind. But for him to be the bell cow at the end of the year does say something. And then when you say you talk to the guys at Alabama and they're talking about the championship game and what went wrong um, – not only does it speak volumes about Josh Jacobs, but it also makes me wonder about Tua and how we've had the conversation about tanking for Tua and Tua has kind of been fast-tracked to being potentially a number one overall pick uh, next year's draft if he elects yeah. to come out. It just kind of makes me wonder, did Alabama deviate from their identity by kind of elevating Tua as opposed to, no, this what we do at Alabama, we, we grind it out. Mm-hmm. Like we hammer people, we grind it out, and then we throw complimentary play action passes off of it. Mm-hmm. And so um, this certainly will help him, but I think it, it actually leads me to have more questions about the quarterback as we start thinking ahead to next season and stuff like so that. So the way they say it is they have three receivers next year that are studs. Big time. Big time. One of them ran four two nine four three flat. And it and it wasn't it was Ruggs or whatever. Oh, you Gerald Ruggs, yes, Henry Ruggs. Oh, Henry he Ruggs. can fly. And then you talk about your favorite guy. You've been oh, talking Jerry about Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy ran four five flat, but he plays. Oh, he's four, a wild, he, wild, he runs wild, by wild. everybody on tape. Um, and then the other kid who went off, uh, another young kid they have is, is a big time. I dude. mean, they have a million of them. Um, I mean, you've got you've got freshmen that was Waddle. You've got uh, Smith. I mean, they, they're loaded. It, it, it but but what they said is, look, look, early in the year. They weren't running it that well. They were chucking it all over the place and just blowing people out yes. every week. And so then it kind of got where they needed it, and they were able to find that run game and get that cranked up in, in the Georgia was, game and the then catalyst. Oklahoma in those two games. And then in this game, they had success running the ball a little early in that game against Clemson, and then they just said, we just got away from it. I don't know what the deal was. But they uh, obviously there's a lot of new coaches there now. Or, uh, you know, so. Yeah, we kind of cleaned all it out yeah. because maybe he didn't like the way their product looked. Yeah, I know some guys, you know, Loxley got a head job, so it's not like he was fired. But a lot of changes made there. And, um, you know, but anyways, that, that was kind of – I feel like I need to kind of explain myself a little bit on that one. Um, and, look, I have Josh Jacobs. He'll – I have to do maybe one or two more updates. He may he might drift maybe towards ten. He's not gonna more than likely he's not gonna fall out of my top ten players. He's not gonna fall all the way out. Nah, and he's not gonna go in the top ten, and that's I'm fine with that. I'll bet on that kid going forward. We'll see how it ends up. Um, you know, is he is he gonna be a first round pick? I think he's still got a, a 50-50 shot. I would say of going. I in think the first so. I round. think the team he's the gonna team go in the top forty. I'll, I'll yeah. stake my. I think the team to watch that. for him going uh, as a first round pick. I would say the Oakland Raiders. Yep. Uh, John Gruden is on record saying that he won't say. Belcow running back, and I know there was a lot of freak out and chaos about Josh Jacobs after Philadelphia made the trade for Jordan Howard, but he may you, end up going to a better situation. Let me ask you this question, honest answer. You think Jordan Howard preclude you from taking Josh Jacobs? It, it wouldn't preclude me from, from doing it. But I'm just saying, like, 
Maybe they don't want to take a first round. They want to spend. Maybe you know, not. Maybe not. But I think people that automatically cross that one off the list because Jordan Howard came to town, who they had to trade a six round pick for, uh, might be over exaggerating the uh, acquisition. They're just saying, but Jordan Howard. He's a like, good, good, solid player. He's got a role. He, he has a role, but there we go. Um, all right, let's keep the uh, let's keep the train moving here. All right, here's a debate. I can um, insist that you don't like Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard's a solid <laughs> player. He's had a couple thousand yard seasons. I just never thought he was a top five back that people made him out to be. I thought it was a volume situation. He ran hard and had a pretty good offensive line in front of him. Yeah. I just, I mean, if there was a great market there, I didn't, I didn't see it. <laughs> where that was, I don't know. I six round picks. I think it was a was it a six round pick? A conditional six that could turn to a fifth if he makes. Oh, like, oh, oh, conditional six. My bad. Conditional six. If he can. My bad. He has some things, but yeah. you know, a lot of people would be surprised based on the fact that he behind Ty Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott, third most rushing yards in the league since he entered the league. Third most. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's some people that will. Box score scout and think that Jordan Howard that's he went great, to the Pro Bowl once. It's a great once. word. It's a great word. Yeah, that's a like great those term. those numbers. Good. No? I don't want to be insulting. He's a good player, but that's what he is. He's a good player. So I'm just saying you don't you don't pass on. If right. You think somebody's a great player, you don't pass on a great player because you don't, got a good player. Don't pass. Don't bypass great. Yeah. All right. So here's a here's a player debate, and this is one I've been going through because currently, before I do my next update, uh, my number four player is Christian Wilkins. My number six player is Ed Oliver. Uh, both defensive tackles. Now, I've been kind of wrestling back and forth with this. Nothing to do. I don't care about the pro day. I, I talked about I knew Ed Oliver was athletic, was going to test well. I, I don't care about any of that. Um, but to me, it's stylistically and just the different factors of how you would have it. Christian Wilkins much heavier. Um, Christian Wilkins, um, there are times where he gets turned a little bit in the run game. You can see Garrett Bradbury got into him. Uh, but for the most part, he's a little more stout uh, than Ed. Um, Ed, who was two, what, 287, then down to 281, was totally played in the 270s. That kind of all matches up. You know, you get puffed up for the combine. Now right. he's kind of slid back to 281. You start going through a training camp, he's going to play at 277. That's what he is. That's what he is. Um, but explosive and dynamic and played way out of position last year. Playing him in a zero made no sense to me whatsoever. Um, but so I'm having this, and I'm going, okay, Christian Wilkins, elite football character, two-time captain, um, leader, everything off the charts, like off the charts. And I don't know, the jacket thing, all the other little nonsense with that Oliver. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. But just if you're going to go just football character, mm -hmm. you give the edge to Christian Wilkins with what he's done there. Um, size, he's got size. He can still rush the passer. He's disruptive. He can still generate negative plays in the run. He's quick. Um, but there's no denying the fact that Oliver's more explosive. So how do you sort those out? And I was talking to a coach, and uh, he brought up a great question coach on the offensive side of the ball we were talking about these guys he had just done a little bit of work on them and he said you know from an offensive perspective when they asked me to rank defensive guys I rank them on who I don't want to play against he goes I don't want to play against Ed Oliver yeah <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting and it kind of just got my wheels turning a little bit and I'm like maybe I'm just looking at this wrong I need to take take a step back and, and, and well, think this it's funny because I just wrote a thing about is Ed Oliver a top five pick and it stemmed from last week I did a study on him I just wanted to go back because he hadn't played in a while, and I, I do believe, like, sometimes because of Out of process, sight, out of mind. Yeah, this process is so long, and you kind of get caught up in, like, looking for the hidden gems and who are the later-round guys when we know that this league is really a first- and a second-round league. Those are the guys that play, and those are the guys yeah. that typically impact the game. So when I went back and I looked at Ed Oliver, I didn't look at last season, I looked at the season before, and I saw how disruptive and dominant he was. First-step quickness, snap-count anticipation, playing on edges, playing in the backfield, the motor. He is hustling all over the field. 
and you just fall in love with the disruptive potential that he could bring yeah. to a team. And then with Christian Wilkins, I think Christian Wilkins is a very, very good player. I think Christian Wilkins' versatility in terms of being able to play anywhere along the defensive front is a huge asset and an advantage. However, there are some times where I just wonder about the overall toughness when it comes to his ability to just kind of chew glass and just be a tough guy in there anchoring against double teams and not being uprooted. And sometimes you kind of see him get turtled up and kind of on the backside. It it happens to Ed, too, though, obviously. No, no, both guys. And so you just wonder who is going to give me more bang for the buck when it comes to creating those splash plays because the league is becoming one where you're not going to get consistent stops. You have to be able to generate turnovers. And for my money in this, I would probably put my money on Ed Oliver over Christian Wilkins in terms of who would be the more disruptive player at the next level. Um, so when you go through and, and look at the uh, stats here, a couple of them, uh, 16 career sacks for Christian Wilkins. He's the last two years, five sacks, five and a half sacks. Um, Ed Oliver, obviously only eight games this year, so only three sacks. Had f- five sacks his freshman year, five and a half his junior year, and three this year in eight games. Now, the the twist I'm going to throw into this conversation, um, we can debate Christian Wilkins and Ed Oliver and how that goes. What we can't really debate, in my opinion, is Aaron Donald, who had 11 sacks, five and a half sacks, 11 sacks. Mm-hmm. And I know it's, you know, tackles for loss, that's Ed Oliver's got a ton of tackles for loss. Um, but it's still, there's a finishing. There's a there, You, you, get, you, a little, you get a little bonus for finishing. And I don't think... Ed Oliver uses his hands nearly as well as Aaron Donald. Um, I don't think he has any pass rush plan whatsoever. He's a bull in a china shop. It's just explode, just explode off the line and try and make a wreck and make a mess and then, and then if you find the football, find the football. Aaron Donald was a technician with all combined with all that explosiveness, who, by the way, at 285 pounds at the combine was shredded. Yes. Um, so you knew he could carry that going forward. So, I don't know, I, I just think, it, he's not Aaron Donald. Let's just eliminate that from conversation. To me, that's not that's, now, that's two, not two, who he, two different like, dudes. That's not who he is. Yeah. Uh, to me, Ed Oliver reminded me more of Geno Atkins, undersized defensive tackle that plays with quickness, shoots through gaps, plays in a movement-based one-gap penetrating scheme, yeah. allows him to kind of work the edges quickly and get into the backfield. Uh, Aaron Donald is a guy that I think could do a bunch of different things, and his production at Pittsburgh was a lot different than Ed Oliver's. Like yeah. He consistently was getting – 20-plus tackles for loss a year, double-digit sacks, being able to dominate. Then we saw him at the Senior Bowl, and he crushed it, unblockable in one-on-ones, dominated team sessions, didn't play well in in the game. And so Ed Oliver, to me, is still someone that's very intriguing because of the potential and the splash play potential can maybe mask some of his deficiencies. But the debate between he and Christian Wilkins really comes down to how do I envision my defense? Yeah, how you gonna use, how you gonna use them? Do I want them to occupy blocks, or do I want them to be the guys that are the playmakers? No, it's it's a good point. And the other thing is, you know, I know talk to people that compare Ed Oliver and say, look, this guy. If you look at him uh, size, you look at all the testing and and how he's built. Melvin Ingram is is the comparison Ooh, that they use. Yeah, Somebody that can one. put come off the edge there if you wanted him to. And I I don't put that past him. I think you could move him around, do all different kinds of things with him. Um, as I'm kind of talking myself through this book, I am leaning towards Ed Oliver going over Christian Wilkins for me. Um, and I like Christian Wilkins. I think he's going to be a great pro. I think he's got a very high floor as a player. Uh, yes. I believe in what he can do. But Ed, just in terms of the disruption that he might be able to, to, to penetrate, I, 
I'm, I think I'm going to be willing to gamble a little bit on that one and uh, and make that switcheroo. So that's yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the disruptive potential, the ability to be able to play on the other side of the line consistently to create turnovers. It's a game where you're not going to be able to generate consistent stops, so turnovers are even a bigger deal in today's game. And so um, I just think his quickness is overwhelming. His explosiveness stands out and pops on tape. And even though he doesn't use his hands, I am hoping that a good D-line coach can at least teach him how to use his hands so he can lock and extend yeah. because he's been so productive doing it on just quickness. If he had some hand skills to what he's doing, then he really has a chance. Yeah, he could, he could take it to a whole new level uh, if that were to happen, no doubt. Um, well, it's uh, it, it's. I want to touch on one thing before we move on. We're going to talk about this redshirt thing here in a second. Uh, but I had somebody on uh, on Twitter that had said, man, you, you know, how are you making changes in the process like right now? Like how, how none of these guys haven't played games, like blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this is how the process works. This is a marathon. This is the way it works with teams. When you put your initial list together and when we get to your final board, there are changes. There are, there and, are changes. And he's, he's like, well, what could change? I had a little conversation with a nice guy. Um, I just said, look, it's um, let's take Kyler Murray. He goes, like, Kyler Murray, for example, he moved way up your list. Yeah, we did the first list. I didn't know if the guy was even going to play football. Uh, is he going to play football? <laughs> is he going to play baseball? Is he going to play both? That's kind of a big deal. Didn't know if height, official height or weight on underclass. You don't have any of that information. Had no background information on him as a human being. Um, so all this stuff, it's all gathering information. And then not to mention, when we go through the first layer of the process, you watch a couple games, you try and get guys in the right neighborhood, and then after that we come back, we watch more games. Now you start sorting out those clumps, as we like to call them. That, that's the process. That's not That's not. You know, overreacting to a pro day, it's more time and putting them through the entire well, process. Well, yeah, because there is a, I feel, in a Twitterverse, there is a rush to want to be first. Who cares if you're first? All I care as about is when you put your list out when the draft takes place. As opposed to That's what wanting, the teams think. As opposed to wanting to be right. Yeah. Wanting to be right will allow you to be a little slower, a little more conservative with your initial grades yeah. until you're able to see the landscape. Because the hardest thing to do, the early grades. Yeah. Because you don't have – a basis for who looks like this in the South, who's playing well in the North. Oh, you watch you, you you watch when it's all said and done, you'll watch 70 receivers. So the third receiver you watch, you might put a big grade on him. And then by the time you watch your 40th receiver, you're like, man, like this, these, all these other guys are better than that guy. And instead, yes. of, instead of making all my grades wrong, I'm going to change this one grade so yes. that it slots in correctly. That's yes. how it works. That That is exactly how it works. Like um, – you're trying to get it right, but you're working blindly early. You're even working blindly early when we start thinking about 2020 and we get the initial scouts list in the summertime. Yeah. You don't know. Like, we're looking at last year's tape. We don't know how much they're going to change. So you put end up putting grades on people it's in pencil. based on what you hear. So yeah, It's just in pencil. Um, all right, the uh, red shirt thing I wanted to get to real quick. My man uh, uh, Jack has done some homework for us. Uh, asked him to go back because of Jeffrey Simmons. Looks like he's going to have to red shirt this year coming up and uh, I said can you go back and look at the guys drafted that missed their rookie season due to injury a lot of these guys were hurt you know either in the end of the season or in the you know pro day or what have you and let's look at the uh, production that they've had so went back and looked over the last few years Jalen Smith was the first one that came to mind big hit right yes. Cowboys gambled on him in the second round knew they weren't gonna be able to play and took, then now took, took a while for him to hit but he did hit now we're seeing what uh, what he can do um, so when we go back here, 2018, Contavious Street uh, drafted in the fourth round. Um, so we haven't got a chance to see him go yet. 2017, Jake Butt uh, was drafted in the fifth round. 
Um, he's played in three games in his career. Sidney Jones was, you know, would have been a first-round pick. He was drafted in the second round, didn't play because of that torn Achilles uh, ten games last year. and didn't play great. Um, Jalen Smith was a big hit in the second round. The Cowboys took him coming off an ACL. The guy had 121 tackles last year. Cedric Obui from A&M, torn ACL. Bengals took him in the first round, has not panned out. Ifo Ekpre, Olamu, Oregon, torn ACL. Seventh-round pick. That's kind of a flyer. No games. Hadn't done anything. Aaron Colvin was a good one. Uh, uh, out of Oklahoma, torn ACL. Jags took him in the fourth round. Um, no uh, no career interceptions, but he did get paid a little bit of money. Brandon Thomas, remember him from Clemson? Yes. Third-round pick from the 49ers. Hadn't played a game. That was in 2014. Marcus Lattimore, Niners, fourth round. Never played in the game. Tank Carradine, another one, I think, Niners, second round. Five and a half career sacks. Hadn't really done anything. And then you go back and look through all the first-rounders over the last 10 years uh, that missed their rookie season. Most of them pre-draft. Some of them, I think, were training camp. Um, Isaiah Wynn, we haven't seen yet from 2018. William Jackson from Cincinnati, okay. I don't yeah. think it's been a great return there. Dante Fowler up and down, already on his second team. Kevin White's injuries have continued to follow him. Uh, he's done nothing. DJ Humphreys, a little inconsistent with the Arizona Cardinals. Perriman from the Ravens, um, he's on his third team now. And Jonathan Cooper from the Cardinals um, has bounced around as well. So it's not, man, it's not a great list. No, it's not a great list. Not a. Not and Jonathan Cooper is a great. Jonathan Cooper was a great college player. I mean, he was a seventh pick. Nobody, nobody snickered at that. That was that was where he was slotted to go. Yeah, it, man. Just missing a year. I mean, look, it's Jalen. You're hoping it's Jalen Smith, great player. Jalen Smith would have been a top five pick if he didn't get hurt. And they took him in the second round, and it, it took a while, like you said, to come through that nerve damage, and he's and uh, he's come out the other side. Right, and you're banking on that he's going to be able to kind of make it, like make it happen, that he's going to be able to figure it out, get in there, get rehab, play at a high level. But it is a risk. Anytime we draft players, it's a risk. But when they're coming off a serious injury, uh, you just never know because everyone responds differently to injuries. And so um, even though we can say it's calculated and Doc can sign off on them, it is still an injury that you're yeah. worried about, and you're worried about it reoccurring. Yeah, so, I mean, look, Jeffrey Simmons, to me, with even with the situation he had in high school and the video that existed, um, I think he'd come out the other side of that when re- kind of rehabilitated himself from it, from what you hear from the people at Mississippi State. That wasn't going to be as big of an issue. Um, but the ACL, the question becomes, where does he fall? Where do you where, take him coming where, off an ACL? Where do you take him? And, and, look, it's an ACL. It's not like nerve damage or anything. It's and a standard ACL injury. And I, th- I think – the, the the tough thing is you want to take him outside the first round, right? So the cost comes down. Yeah. However, how many teams are thinking the same thing you're thinking? Again, he's gonna, then he goes in the bottom one, which I think is going to happen. I think he'll go in the first round when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I think so. You're the Raiders. I, I think mean, that's I, see, a, I, that's perfect, the team because you got fit. You had three picks. Yeah. Take one on. For that, he's, Gam- he's gamble. It's a little bit of a gamble, but there's greatness. You're gambling on greatness. If you're going to gamble, gamble on somebody with an enormous payoff and that's a big payoff and I, I mean i think it's a tremendous payoff if they're able to get him um put him in a mix uh i just i just think like when you're looking at the board and you're looking at what could else what else could be available at 27 or 24 yeah are you gonna be able to get that kind of player and i don't think you can get that kind of diff- potentially that kind of difference maker so i'd be more willing to write the big check so thinking about the Ra- just real quick on the raiders what if I told you this was their haul? How would you feel about this? Um, let's go Quinn and Williams with their first pick. And then you come back with your two picks in the 20s. And um, 
you say one of them is is uh, Simmons, right? Who right. Who's the top five pick. And then how about the other one, if we're going to go for it, go for it to meet Marquise Brown. Oh. Coming off the foot. I think he'll be, every, everything I hear is he's Why not? fine. And he's got the relationship, obviously, with Antonio. And now you put an offense together with Antonio Tomo, Brown, speed, Marquise Brown. Speed, speed. And then you've got Tyrell Williams who can go. Um, now you got some. you got something to work with there. Man. So you take Simmons, so 24 and 27, Brown and Simmons. Let's go for it. Who, who are we taking take at number four? Uh, at number four, Quinnen Williams. So your interior now with Maurice Hurst from last year, P.J. Hall, they, you got some quickness inside. But now you, you throw in Simmons and Quinnen Williams going forward? Hello. A lot of speed. Got some dudes. It's a lot of speed. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of speed. I don't <laughs> I mean, it's kind of overwhelming, right? Yeah, I'd be fine. Look, you're in a division with the Chiefs and the Chargers, man. You better find a way to get some firepower and score some points. Well, you got to build your team to win your division. Um, like that's one of the deals. You got to be able to make sure that everyone knows. Yeah. So, yeah, makes well, sense to me. Have fun, right? Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right, we got uh, we've got our new 360 episode coming up. Is Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa 360? So that'll be dropping soon. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, that's a fun one. Get a chance to talk with some of his teammates, his parents, and Nick himself. Uh, I think everybody will enjoy that one, Buck. I mean, I think the the conversation that we had with Nick Bosa um, in terms of um, they still believe he's the best player in the draft. Is that still where you have him? That's where I have him, yeah. Um, you know, the conversation uh, when we go down the line, uh, I know people have talked about the core injury and him playing only three games and, and being able to sit away. And you look at the, the technique and you like the refinement, but you just – Going into the last thing of the draft, you don't have a lot to really talk about. But the bloodlines, the legacy, and the person himself, I think that is the thing that kind of sells you on it. Mm -hmm. Because we saw Joey go into the league and make an immediate impact despite holding out and doing some of that other stuff. Uh, I think the belief is Nick Bosa has been wired the right way, and he's going to have a lot of success because he just kind of knows how to get a job done. Yeah, I mean, my thing with with Nick, you go back and watch him in 2017 – uh, with eight and a half sacks and 16 tackles for loss on a defense that had so many guys, they just kind of kept everybody fresh and rolled everybody through. But every game that I watched last year doing other players, I'm like, he's the best guy on the field. Yeah. Every time. And that's kind of my – we talked about that before. Like, if you're take, talking about somebody that's an elite take top the, five pick, he better be the best player on the field when he steps out there. Take, I, the, take the best guy. You can't go wrong taking And, taking and that really was him. Player. Seeing him in the Cotton Bowl up close in person, I uh, saw it there. And then even uh, – even this year, look, he played three games. He had four sacks. I know people say, oh, what about the production? If this dude would have played those 14 games, he was going to have 16, 17 sacks. Like, they, they weren't blocking him. I mean, what's happening? He's, yeah, he's hard, he's hard to block. He definitely has all the skills, um, everything in the repertoire to make it very, very difficult for you not only to get your hands on him, but to contain him. And so um, I think it makes sense. I think he is certainly in the conversation. Uh, probably the guy driving the conversation. Uh, I'm curious to see if there's anyone, a dark horse, anybody that we're missing in terms of being in discussion for, the, I guess, the first defender to come off the board. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's I think it's a three-horse race. I do. I think it's Josh Allen, Bosa, and Quinn Williams, and I think that Ed Oliver's in, you know, right on the edge of that discussion. But I, I do think he'll end up being one of those three guys. And I still think it. I think the Forty Nine ers taking Bosa until until I hear until otherwise. otherwise let me, until you let me, otherwise. Well, I mean, look, I know we're wrapping up here, but let me just give you my Forty Nine ers theory. So, you go to Alabama and get Reuben Foster, okay? Reuben Foster and Quentin Williams are two different people, right? But the 
would say not the consensus, but m- most people have Bosa as the more sure thing, right? Mm-hmm. Quentin Williams, um, was, I, I love Quentin Williams. I would have no problem. It took Quentin Williams, but you don't go back to the Alabama well. You go to Nick Bosa, whose brother has been successful, um, who's done everything else you need to see at the combine. He's fully healthy. To me, it looks like the safer pick. Yes. And when you've missed now, when you've missed on Reuben Foster, you've you got to get Sol- him right. Solomon Thomas has got to get it down the fairway. You got to get it down the fairway. You start saying, you know what? I'm not going to try and I'm not going to try and zag when everybody everybody says I should zig. Well, I'm nope. a zig. I'm a zig. Then I'm going to do exactly the the conventional wisdom is the way to go when you've had misses because you lose a little bit of your courage to go outside what the conventional wisdom. No, but that's is. not. I mean, that is a very very fair point. Um, when you miss like that, you do. There's a bit of your courage. You, you, and I'm telling you, as, as 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 I know it doesn't make sense, I can – trust me, I know the analytics people would lose their minds and say, well, Alabama's produced all these great players. Why would you allow one player you picked that just didn't work out for one reason or another? Obviously, it was off the field with Reuben Foster. Why would you allow it, – it, trust me, it happens. When it, you're in it, the draft room and you've gone to one school and the guy didn't work out um, – A little leery. There's a, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm just telling you, that's that's – whether that should happen, that does happen. I mean, it, it, it's funny because I'm sitting here looking at the Baltimore Ravens and looking at the glare hole in their roster and how they need a, another wide receiver, but they don't pick wide receivers. <laughs> like that's, that's not what they do. Yeah. And then you start thinking about guys stylistically. Uh, Perriman is very similar to what DK Metcalf is. Yeah. Like, would they be interested in doing that thing all over again? So um, it's, a really, man, it's a really tough deal. A a really we have a lot of ground to cover as we go towards the draft, man. Uh, what are you working on this week, Buck? Anything we can promote? Uh, let's see. Doing Perfect Parents, which is going to be a digital thing. Uh, I'm going to have a conversation about Josh Jacobs being a feature back. Good. And are we overvaluing him as the top runner in the league? Nice. In the draft. All right. That'll be good. I'll be on the lookout for that. There's a lot of the running backs I like in this draft. I'm going to stick with Jacobs as my guy. Um, all right. That's, uh, that's going to do it for us. Ken, anything else we need to promote before we get out of here? Nick Bosa, 360 tomorrow it drops, and then yep. next week will be Daniel Jones, and then Clemson's defensive line, and then as we head to draft week, Kyler Murray will be our main event okay. on draft week. Beautiful. Well, we're heading that way. Uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe the Arizona Cardinals will make a decision here pretty quick. Uh, Hopefully so. Waiting on that. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening, for downloading. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.